Good day to you fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. And uh, my message is titled Forward in Faith today. And I want you to gain all that you can from this message um, as I have the opportunity to release, excuse me, I want our sister to get forward here, but uh, obviously she's, we have kids services all the way down in the bottom and the end, and so it's going to take a little bit, apparently, for her to get here, and she's rushing back in right now, so. All right, you're going to have to hand off, make a handoff, Marjorie, because you're coming up here. All right, there we go. This is Marjorie Cologne. And uh, tell these folks what office you're running for in the district that, so that they will know if they live in that district, they can vote accordingly. Awesome. Thank you so much, Pastor Cole. So my name is Marjorie Cologne. I'm running for county commissioner. Um, that's District 4. District 4 is Center City Allentown, West End Allentown. It's from 4th Street to 41st Street in Allentown. <sighs> Sorry. She takes a lot out she of me. <laughs> it's like, Pastor Cole needs you. I'm like, what? <laughs> um, <clears throat> county commissioner is a very important position. Um, we deal with the debt, you know, the money, the, the allotment of funding and, and what's important to our communities. I've been attending church here now since March of this year. And 2020 has been a year of vision for all of us. Um, it has been, I'm a very new Christian, a baby in Christ, and it has been so eye-opening to follow the Lord's will. I could be doing anything. I'm a single mom of three. I could be doing anything but running for office, and it's been something that I've been battling along the way because I want to be obedient. Um, I'm young. I'm a Republican. Um, and, and she's Hispanic. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's our responsibility as walkers of faith, like pastor always says, to walk it out. And it's not easy. It is so hard being on this side and trying to remain in my faith. And you wouldn't think it. You would not think it. But the world is becoming a scary place. And we have to have faith in action. Amen. And it, no matter how scary it is, I tell my kids all the time, courage is doing it anyway, even when you're afraid. So support because it takes you being involved in your own communities, not only at home, but at work. You know, we need to walk in action and in faith and really take charge of the future. The way that God wants us to be, he doesn't want us to be silent anymore. He doesn't want us to just be at home praying. We need to put that foot out and get out in our communities and really be there for one another because at the end of the day, it's not about your party affiliation. It's about love. It's not our place to judge. It is our place to love people so much that they have to find where this love comes from and this love comes from God. Amen. So thank you so much. Thank you much. So, Father, we thank you that your hand is upon her, that you will give her all the strength she needs, Lord, as she walks out this process. Uh, she is clearly swimming upstream, and that's the nature of Christianity in general, Lord. Come out from the world and be separate, and yet we are in the world, but not of it. So here we are, Lord, and I present her before you. And trust you, Holy Spirit, to walk with her day in and day out. Give her grace, knowledge, and wisdom. And Father, I pray that you open the door so that she can fill that position and be a bright light in a community 
that desperately needs you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can see the title to my message this morning. And as I was thinking about how what we're dealing with right now in, in, in terms of all that's happening around us. And I hear the fears, even Marjorie just now mentioned. Uh, it's, it's fearful to walk out some of the things that we are enduring right now. And I've lived long enough to have walked out some things in life historically as a nation and as people that it reminded me, what's going on right now reminded me and took me back to 1999. And some of you that lived through that time period, let me read for you an article that was in the December 1998 Pentecostal Evangel. Now, those of you that are 30 and under, you weren't into this. This, this passed you by. If you were born in the 90s, you were just, you know, SpongeBob going through the lilies and life. And, and, and so this is foreign to you. Even 40 years old, you were in your late teens and uh, this is like, you, you know, you, you were bulletproof and life was everlasting at that point. And, but if you're 50, 45 and 50, you recall some of this stuff. But for you younger people, here's a quick history lesson. Alarmist voices predict worldwide disruption. Books have been written recounting the worst things, worst of things that could happen. Social security checks that come automatically every month may not be printed and sent. Interest on home mortgages and other loans may show up as overdue obligations from calculations beginning with 1900. I'm talking about the year 99. Rolling into 2000s, I'm telling you this stuff because this is what was happening. We were hearing these things on our news. But this is from the Pentecostal Evangel. Electric and water utilities dispensed automatically by preset computers may shut down from coast to coast and around the world. Banks if they are open, may not have enough cash to meet requested withdrawals. Why did they say that? Because they were afraid people would run in uh, at, in December of 99, withdraw all of their mons, funds and stuff it in a pillow under their bed. Satellite communications may fail. National defense and security systems may malfunction. There's something that'll put you to bed at rest. Though airplanes will not drop out of the sky, flight schedules may be in disarray. Some automobiles may not start because of date problems in embedded computer chips. Seriously, this is the stuff in 1999, we listened, because this is from uh, December of 98. So the entire year, we were hearing these dire predictions. And the response of many Christians, I'm not going to ask them to raise their hands, but even in this church, but in the church I was serving, the response was they began to gather. You could go to people's houses and they would have 50 gallons of water tucked away in their basement. And all the canned food and dry goods and powdered milk 
stored up in the back places of their, uh, 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 in, in their basements. Because of these dire predictions, the world's going to change, and we don't know if we're going to be able to get food in our supermarkets. January 1, 2000. Because all the computers are going to be messed up. They were created in a time that didn't factor in the year 2000. Why did I bring all of this up this morning? Because it feels like that right now. You turn on your television and you listen to dire predictions. And if, I mean, you're listening, if you listen to Fox News, you're, the world is coming unglued. And you're nervous every day. And then the other news broadcasts, they're not doing any better. They're, they're, they're telling you things that are, that, that are as though they were not. And so that leaves confusion. And then you get the other sides of the story and we don't know what's going on. All of that leads to fears. What we need to do is have a response for people who are operating in fear right now. That's what the body of Christ needs to have. It's a great way of saying you should be operating in faith and seizing opportunities to share your faith with your neighbors, workmates, and friends, your family. You should be seizing this opportunity to walk out your faith in Christ Jesus right now, right now. I'm, I'm not going to let you off the hook today. Because if you are operating on this level of fear, what's going to happen to my 401? We're, we're selling out our, the future of our children and grandchildren to right now to these finance plans that our government is looking to do right now. Your kids, your grandkids, they're going to pay this price. We'll feel it. If it goes through, we'll feel it. Inflation is going to touch every single one of us. And so you have a cause to be concerned. But my question for you today, are you going to walk out of here in faith? Or are you going to walk out of here in fear? Because there's no room for your fear as a child of God. Whose report will you believe? No one on earth really knows the extent of tomorrow's problems. I know some of you think you know. Matthew 6, 34 puts it this way. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Right? You know that to be true. If you've lived a little life, there'll be some stuff you deal with tomorrow. So don't worry about tomorrow today. Today's trouble is enough for today. Now, if you listen to the report given by the mass media, we're, we're mostly told how bad it is. And the tendency of the major news networks or organization is towards sensationalism. I want to help you open your eyes today. Their greater concern is ratings. Please understand this. The more people they have watching their programs, the more they can charge their advertisers for their being advertising tied on their programs. So they're geared towards the sensational, not truth. Please follow me on this. They're not necessarily trying to give you the truth. They're trying to get your attention. That skews what you hear and see. If you listen to stock market analysts, that's not going to bring you assurance. 
The federal government is essentially borrowing from our children and grandchildren. Right now, this whole plan that's thrown out as, as a great option. Where do you think $3 trillion is coming from? They're borrowing it from these little people. Because they're the ones that will ultimately be strapped with this mess. Oh, you'll feel it. You'll feel it because you'll go down to Giant and you just want to buy a two-pound ham and suddenly you're going to be paying $45 for it. Long gone will be the days when pork was 99 cents a pound. Despite our best efforts with statistics, analysis, and projection, we cannot know how bad or how good it will be in America in 2022. You can't know how good or how bad it will be in America. I know, again, I know some of you are, you think you're prophets at least. I'll just leave that hang out there and y'all can walk your way through it. But, um, the fact is you're going to hear everything from doomsday predictions and the outlook is so horrible that I don't know if any of us are going to be around to enjoy it or not enjoy it. And some of you are you're banking on the midterm elections next year to fix everything. I'm going to laugh. There's not a Republican alive that's going to fix all of this, nor a Democrat. What am I telling you all of this for? I'm telling, that's not a reason to not vote. I mean, please. It's not, I'm not telling you don't engage in the process. On the contrary, you need to. And we need good people that love Jesus running for every kind of office. But you can't put your faith and confidence in the elections. Not in a political party, please, church. You will hear what you choose to hear based on your personality, makeup, and background. If you're a positive person with a positive outlook, you will think everything's going to be fine in 2022. It'll all turn around. Hallelujah. And you'll get all spiritual. God's going to turn it around. Turn it around. And then if your personality makeup is not positive, you're going to be, yeah, between, somewhere between Eeyore and uh, Chicken Little. Y'all don't know who Chicken Little is. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. And I, I know that this is where we are as a society because I watch and I hear and I, you know, we're Christian world is just so divided up on vaccines, not vaccines. Will it help? Will it hurt? Whatever. It, we're, we're so divided on it. Dire predictions. Get the vaccine. This will fix it. Mm. So you're in this moment. What am I going to do? Whose report will I believe? Can I say this to you? There is someone who knows the extent of tomorrow's problems. Hear what the word says from Psalm 139. You, you might want to wrote, write this note down. I, you need to put it beside that point at least. Psalm 139 verse 16 puts it this way. If you saw me before I, excuse me, you saw me before I was born. Hear these words. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. There is someone who knows the extent of tomorrow's problems. God knows. In fact, he knows what you personally will experience. Really, he knows exactly 
what you will deal with. God knows how what is happening in America will impact you. Border crisis or non-crisis, however you look at it. Afghanistan, not Afghanistan. He knows how what is happening in America will impact you. Stock market, your job security, nothing that has happened nor will anything happen without his full-on understanding. Let me put this in really clear terms for you. The good and bad that visits your doorstep this year and next and any that follow will be filtered by our Father in heaven. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not be in want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. I could go on, beautiful psalm, but I think you get the point. Ira Stanfield, he put it this way. I don't know about tomorrow I just live from day to day I don't borrow from its sunshine or its clouds may turn to gray I don't worry or the future for I know what Jesus said. And today, I'll walk beside him, for he knows what is ahead. If you know it, help me. Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand. But I know who holds tomorrow. And I know who holds my hand. See, that you know. That's something you can grab onto. In this shaky, messed up world that you are a part of, God knows how what is happening at your job will impact you. He knows. He knows how it will affect your spouse, how it will affect your children, even how it will affect your parents. God even knows how what is affecting you will impact this church. He knows. So we have a choice to make. This passage of scripture, many of you are familiar with. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev. And the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. 
The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. The children of Israel were wrestling with the idea of turning around and going back to Egypt. And they formed a committee to do just that. You may not know this, but look at the same, just the next chapter, verse 4, uh, four in chapter 14. Then they plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Keith Green wrote a song way back in the 70s. So you want to go back to Egypt where it's warm and secure. You want to live in the land. No, see, they chose, they made a decision to turn away from the good plan of God because it had many unknowns. It's easy when faced with obstacles ahead to turn around and run to your comfort zone. And I want you to hear me say this this morning, folks. God is not offended by our wrestling with the idea of running to our, the comfort of our past. That's not what offends God. What offends God is that our choice to put our confidence in anything or anyone else but him. And if by turning back to your comfort zone, that's what you're doing, then God's offended by that. Even the best of circumstances ahead require effort to accomplish. You get that, right? You're not going to come out on the winning side without effort. It still requires faith and confidence in the Lord. He doesn't make it necessarily easy for you. But then, if that were the case, then you wouldn't be exercising your faith. Look at your neighbor right now and say, you better get your faith in the gym. Instead of Planet Fitness, you need to go to Holy Ghost Fitness. Build your life on the rock. The establishment of the strong people of God will never happen with a lottery mentality. I know I need to explain that, but lottery mentality is that we put in very little and expect a huge return. I'll throw in my dollars and I'm going to get millions. Joshua and Caleb saw the same land, same people, and they were convinced God would give it to them. They never tried to deny the power and presence of the inhabitants of the land. They realized the people group that they were going up against were physically far and away greater than they were. They realized that. They weren't denying that. Yeah, there's giants there. Joshua and Caleb both knew that. Joshua and Caleb knew that the descendants of Anak were huge and powerful, but they knew God was far and away greater. They knew that. They understood this truth. This is a freebie. You can write it down in your notes. You have to find some space for it, but... If God is greater... And if he's on your side, you win. I'll say it again. If God is greater, and if he's on your side, you win. My oldest son, when he was playing baseball, and he had entered the, the 10th to 12th, 12-year-old 12 league. And he was... He was a 10-year-old, uh, or he may have been 11 at that time. But I remember a 10-year-old 
that was on the team, he was a pitcher. And he was only 10 years old, but he pitched, could have entered the next level, the 13 to 15 year olds. He was incredible. A 10 year old boy uh, that could throw up a fastball. And I'm not kidding, I'm not making this up. I remember watching the little boys that would get up there when they knew he was pitching, and they were, they were, they were like, they were shaking because they'd seen this kid, and he's only, t- he was a tiny guy. I'm telling you, how old are you? You're 11. How old are you? Eight. So come on up here with me for a minute, please. So he's, so just imagine that this guy is on the pitcher's mound because that's, he was somewhere in between these two guys. He was not a big kid. It's not like I'm saying to you, he was a 10 year old that it was like, he looked like he was 15, you know, growing a mustache. It's, yeah, it's like when you go to some of those games, you're watching Williams, up in Williamsport when they do the, the boys say, you see a guy on the mound, he's from China, and he's got a mustache, and you're like, I'm not really sure. Some of those guys from South America, you know, they got a beard, and they're like, hey, he's got a, he had to shave this morning. How, are you sure he's 12? So anyway, so this kid, he's not a big kid. But he could pitch the ball, he was so fast, and he was accurate, but it didn't matter to the guys that were in the batter's box because he was so fast, they were like, I don't want to get hit with that. And I'm not kidding you when I tell you this, they would stand in there like this, he would do his wind-up, and then they would go, (laughs) just like that. I ain't getting hit with that ball. Thank you, guys. You did a jam-up job. Thank you so much. Be thankful that I didn't ask you to make, do all, the, all that stuff with me. And they were scared to death of this kid. And, and I tell you all of that to say this. Now, that team that my son was on went on to win everything. If that guy was on the pitcher's mound, we won. Straight up. There was just hands down, I think, Two guys hit a ball that he pitched during the entire season. He could just, he just was that kid. That's all it was. It was like magic. You knew, we knew on our side, you know, the only hope the other teams had was that, you know, they didn't let him play every game. They just didn't. It was how the league rules were. You had to have somebody else on occasion pitch. But if he was pitching, we won. It was just that simple. Why did I tell you all of that? You have a pitcher on your team that when he steps up to the mound, your opponent is shaking. And he'll step out because he don't want to get hit by that pitch. He ain't even going to try. Our coaches on our team uh, during that time, we had to make the boys that when, because he went in practice, he would throw to our guys. And then our coaches were like, stand in there. You can hit that ball. You're just afraid of it. Stand in there. You can move out of the way. You're quick enough. Listen, with, with God, there is no enemy that can take you out. You have to let them take you out. Now the people in this case paid a heavy price for relying on anything other than God's best. Look at this passage from Numbers 14. Now we're just later on. Then the Lord said, I will pardon them as you have requested. See, Moses had to go to God on their behalf. Moses had to get in God's face. And he did. And here's God's reply. I will pardon them as you have asked or requested. 
But as surely as I live and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, not one of these people will ever enter that land. They have all seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I performed both in Egypt and in the wilderness, but again and again, they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. They will never even see the land I swore to give to their ancestors. None of those who have treated me with contempt will ever see it. That ought to make any of you who believe in once saved, always saved, nervous. You can't treat the Lord with contempt and expect him to open up the windows of heaven and let you stroll right on in. The Israelites, what they did was exchange the future blessing of God for the past assurance of survival. They exchanged God's gold for fear's iron shackles. Rather than meet the faith challenge of the mountain ahead, they chose the fear-based barrenness of the desert behind them. Is it possible that you've not considered the cost to you for not relying on God? You not considered that? When you do your own thing your own way, there's a cost to that too. When you go back to what is reliable and comfortable, there's a cost. They paid it. They didn't even get to see the promised land. Except for Caleb and Joshua. They were the only adult men that managed to be able to go into the new promised land now. Great. I'm saying that, that uh, we're of age and able to make decisions. They were that. Wow. It cost those folks a lot. Have you chosen the comfort of the past over the challenge of the future? Let me bring it to a conclusion. We must choose confidence and faith in God. I love this passage of scripture because it contains what I consider my life verse, my all-time favorite, if you will, from Matthew chapter 6. We'll start at verse 30, and if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about the, these things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. I believe it was T.D. Jakes who actually said this. You'll never know what faith is until you've had a good fight. Till you get in your gym, the Holy Ghost gym, and start working your faith, you're never going to know. What's sad is that the Israelites chose to <clears throat> fight the pains of the desert wanderings rather than to fight for the blessings of the promised land. They had to fight that. They still had a fight. They still had to fight. Many choose the comfort of, uh, of the fight they know over the faith for uh, the fight in faith for something that is new or better. God has something bright on the other side, if you'll fight through, if you'll work your way through it, if you'll put your faith and your confidence in God to get you to the other side, that's a better place to go. And yes, there's a fight involved. You still have to engage. You still have to exercise your faith. But listen, staying where you are, wandering around in the desert you're in, that's still a fight. If your faith and confidence is in anyone, 
anything other than God, you can only reap the benefit or curse of those things. If you run to people, you're going to get what people can give you. What people are capable of. But if you'll run to God, he's supernatural. Listen, I serve a God who walked on water. He's supernatural. He can change the natural. He can alter what is normal and natural to suit his plans and your faith can engage him and on his plans. We will struggle to achieve faith growth. Faith growth. Faith will only increase based on its exercise. You're only going to grow in faith when you have to exercise it. I remember hearing a story from Ravi Zacharias who said that he knew a woman, and I don't know what the malady, and I should have looked it up between the services, but there is a disease or a problem that some humans are born with where they do not feel pain. He was telling the story of a mom who told him about her, da- her daughter who, uh, who never felt pain. And I laughed with our early service saying, you know, if you're 50 years old or older, that idea sounds pretty good. Not feeling any pain. When you're, you're, your knee is bone on bone, the idea sounds great having no pain, right, Rich? <laughs> but that mom was went on to tell Ravi that uh, she would pray that God would allow her daughter to feel pain. Why? Because she never knew. If she put her hand on a burner, it could be burn her hand up. She had no idea it was happening because she didn't feel it. She could run into something sharp and get pierced and wouldn't know it. Didn't feel the pain. Is it possible that the struggle you are in right now, that God wants to use that struggle in an attempt to build your faith? To give you some opportunity to grow? to take you to a better place? Here's this mom saying, if my daughter could feel pain, she could avoid trouble. Is it possible? Possible that God's walking you through a circumstance that you might be stronger and have something far greater on the other side? I know it's tough to to just turn loose of your plans of your life and the ease and comfort that you have and like or enjoy and let God be God, but when are we ever going to learn that we should just let God be God? I mean, every one of you that are parents know that your children make choices and, and you, you give them the options and you say things to them like, well, this will be better for you in the end. They don't care about the end. They want what they want right now. They don't care what it looks like. They don't care that the dentist, you're going to buy a new wing for the dentist office. They just want more candy. You're sending him on a vacation to Bermuda. God knows that about us. Needless fear and alarmist tactics are in direct conflict with the teaching of our Lord himself. That's what we hear in our world today, but the people of God, you have a different voice you're listening to. And I'm not just saying me. No, you're you're following the word of God. 
He's given you every reason to trust him, just like the Israelites. God's given you every reason to trust him. You remember what he said in that passage from Numbers? I'm not going to put up with these people. I blessed them in Egypt. They saw my miracles in Egypt. They saw my miracles in the desert. And here they are, one more time, testing me. I don't know if I could trust you, God. I mean, I realize that the death angel visited only the households that weren't covered by the blood of the lamb. But I don't know if you're going to show up this way this time. I know, Lord, you opened up the sea. That was quite a miracle. It was a bit of a spectacle. But I don't know, Lord, can you handle a giant? And we do that every single time. We say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to do what's comfortable rather than listen to your voice. We have an answer to the fears and worries of our neighbors. You have that answer. You know him. He walks with you. And so what am I saying to you? I'm saying to you this is the perfect time to be a blessing to your neighbors, bringing the good news to them. It's the perfect time. The good news is that is not that God will rescue them from all troubles. The good news is that for believers is that God will walk through all the problems with you. That's the good news. That's what you're telling your neighbors and yourself. I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. I don't borrow from its sunshine or its clouds may turn to gray. I don't worry or the future for I know what Jesus said. Do you? And today I'll walk beside him for he knows what is ahead. He knows. And he's with you. He's with you. <laughs> Come on, remember the picture that I told you about? God's on your team. You can't lose. Just got to figure out how to keep walking with him. Even when it looks bad. Even when it feels bad. Even when everything inside of you says, turn around and run. No, face it with Jesus. For God's people, if we choose faith, we can conquer our giants and obtain the promise of God's provision. I already mentioned that this was my favorite passage. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What things? Well, he said all things, all these things. My finances, my job, my physical health, my emotional health, my spiritual well-being. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness or his right ways and all things I have need of, he will take care of. Come on, Pastor Mackay. I need you up there. Would you all stand to your feet, please? I know it'd be great if everyone I was talking to here this morning in the church was so on fire and full of faith that this message was, oh, it's brother church. But it was given to you. And I know, I know that there are those who are here and you may not, you wouldn't, if I asked you to, how many of you in this place are afraid? You're not gonna raise your hands. And yet you're taking steps or operating in a way that exhibits you're walking in fear. So I don't know what you're up against. 
I don't know what tomorrow looks like for you. But would you consider the same message that God was delivering to the children of Israel as they were looking over the promised land, flowing with milk and honey, grape clusters so big that it bent the pole they were carrying them on. Yeah, this is all in that promised land. Would you consider God has something better for you than right now you are experiencing? And if you would trust Him, He'll get you through it. Don't turn around and run away from God's good promise ahead. Bow your head, close your eyes. Let me just make this real simple. If the message that I shared with you today, you know it was good for you and you need it, lift your hand right where you're at. I'm not going to call you forward. not going to try to make you look like something that we don't, I can't interpret what everybody's facing. Thank you, so many of you, for your honesty. You can put your hands down. I wonder if all of you right now would take a moment and just lift your hands to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm yours. And I realize I don't know about tomorrow. But I know you, Jesus. And I trust you that whatever I face today, tomorrow, and in all the days to come, I can trust you. Now just take a moment and release those fears to Him. Whatever the circumstance is, whatever your story is, whatever the situation is, I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here in taking the gospel not only to the Lehigh Valley but around the world. We want to do our part in reaching the people that God has entrusted to us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Remember, you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.